Student loan forgiveness, it's actually a money laundering scheme. And those of us who are getting that money, we're just the pawns in Biden's administration printing money for themselves, to themselves, with us in the middle. For those of you who skip and end the video about 30 seconds, 40 seconds from now, you have the whole story. For the rest of you, join us as we discuss our cultures falling further every day. What you believe about God dictates how you will think. Our philosophies dictate how our culture behaves. Politics is simply the enforcement of cultural norms. The truth claims about God, philosophy, culture, and policies will affect what we value. When these things are in alignment, revival is possible. Well, hello there. Are you okay, Miss Producer? And welcome to Further Every Day. I think her earbuds are hurting her. If you are still with us, I know a lot of you drop off. We're going to discuss this today. We're going to lay out some some basic uh, ground rules or some basic thought uh, of the discussion, and then we're going to dig into it. But before we get into the meat of the uh, meat and potatoes here, I do want to introduce everyone. We got Josh. Yes, back at it again. In the chair of theology, dealing with the reason why we believe what we believe. God's yes, law. Sir. Happy to be here. Thank you for being there. And uh, to his left, we got Mr. Charlie. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? We are doing great. We are ready to hit a very important topic. From the philosophical chair, bringing the intellectual rigor that the Christian must bring to the faith and to his left, my right, we got Mr. Steve. Yes, man. I'm ready to tap dance down this road, man. Okay. going to talk about the culture and what we should be demanding and looking for in our culture. We'll get into that in a little bit. Yours truly sitting in the chair of politics and warming the chair of economics because this is a deeply economic uh, topic. Let's dig into it really quickly. The Biden administration is forgiving student loan debt. I want to lay this out really fast and furious, and then I want to throw this around the room, and we're going to start talking about it. But just to kind of codify and simplify it down, the article that's going up provoked a reason. The stuff down in the uh, description might be a bit dense and thick. Let me simplify it. You have members of the Biden administration who are part of BlackRock. Actually, the CEO, Larry Fink, is just underneath Janet Yellen, Treasury Secretary, one of the largest investment uh, organizations in the world, actually the largest, at $9 trillion in assets. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. They hold the notes, ultimately, or they hold shares on everyone who holds the notes, and we'll, we'll be showing those in a little bit, who all of the organizations and institutions who hold the notes on student loans, when they print this money, the college students don't get to keep that money. It goes right through them to these other organizations. This is a money laundering scam. And it's going from the Biden administration and the Fed to members of the Biden administration and Fed's companies and investment firms. You want to know why Liz Warren wants to make it uh, too big to fail? It's because they want to be able to bail it out if they overextend. I'm going to try to simplify this even more. They're printing your tax dollars to pay themselves because the students are not able to. That's what student 
loan forgiveness is. Everyone's asking who's paying for it. It's the taxpayer. And by the way, we're, we're going to make the argument today that it's unfair for an individual who never went to college to pay for college. We're going to make the argument that it's unfair for people like Josh here. I hope I'm not outing you here, who paid off the student loans, who was responsible, who didn't party, and ultimately paid them off post-haste. But I want to make an argument that you can take today to your friends and family who think this is a good idea, that even the individual who is a beneficiary of this is not actually making that much. You've got approximately, if you make $100,000, you are going to be taxed approximately $3,000 out the back end just to maintain the uh, federal note on the borrowing that this printing is occurring. You're going to be taxed that much. That's not the capital gains tax that's going to hit you because that's taxable income, the $10,000 in relief, which could be anywhere between two and $5,000. So you're not getting to keep this money, most of it. It's not a Band-Aid. It's a new wound. And the money doesn't go to you. It goes to or to the student who is receiving this entitlement. The money's being laundered through the student to members of the Biden administration and their investment fund. I want to open it up just to reaction around the room. Any thoughts, gentlemen? Yeah. I want to jump in real quick on, on one thing here, and that is if if you do just some basic logic on this, you'll know that it's not good. Where do we get the money to even put up for student loans to begin with? How, how did this all get started? The federal government puts aside a pot of money every year for student loans. So who's paying for it? We are. We are. Taxpayers are paying for it already. It's already being, it's, it's already printed, well, it's somewhat printed money there. But when you go and you do something like this, now you absolutely are printing money. And if you do not understand the basics of how inflation or things like that work, then you're going to have a difficult time with this type of topic. So and it's really hard. Let's simplify that really quick. I'm going to put this in fifth grader terms because it, it is a hard topic. I'm going to sit over here in this chair, you know, hypothetically. But <laughs> don't worry, Mr. Producer, I'm not going to hop chairs. I promise. Uh, I wouldn't do that to you. If you say I have a chocolate, a set of, I have five chocolate bars in my cupboard, and I'm going to write you an IOU, one for each chocolate bar. And I get out five of those IOUs to people in this room. Okay, that IOU has a hard-backed value. If I were to write 15 more of those IOUs, one certificate for a chocolate bar, but there's only five in my cupboard, what does that do to the value of those slips of paper? Your money, it literally says it is a fiduciary note. It is a IOU. You, the government, the Fed specifically, actually, which is not part of the government, that's another conversation. The Fed owes you $1. If the Fed is printing more dollars, if I give out 15 of those chocolate bars when I promised five people in here, one each, and you're each holding a note, I have stolen from you in the event that you ever want to come and demand that 
And even so, eventually it will end up being stolen out from underneath you and you don't even know. Everyone around now knows that those notes are worthless. You now know that those notes are worthless. That is what's happening. And so when they print money, understand they are not giving money. They're not creating money. They are lowering the value of the money in your bank account. Inflation, 8.5% increase by Biden's new jerry-rigged numbers. Link's in the description below. That's, what, point- your, that's what your $36 trillion worth of debt is right now. And it's, it's, it's coming out of your hides. It's yeah. coming out of your hides. You, who wants to make $100,000, if that $100,000 is no longer worth $100,000, but it's now worth fifty thousand dollars you just got that much closer to the poverty line because of the policies that gave you free college and now what i'm going to do on those 15 notes is i'm going to tax you on each one of those but i'm going to tax you on the value of what each one of those should have been 15 notes are what they should be not Correct. what the actual value is. So what's going to what the federal government's going to get? The value of what they should have been. Correct. And who's going to be paying those? Ah. The individuals at the bottom. Exactly. So again, I I don't I don't want to put too fine of a point on it, folks, but what you're looking at here is something that does not even value like all government entitlements. It actually is robbing the very people who supposedly benefit from the uh, entitlement. Student loan forgiveness is Biden's administration printing money and then giving it to the financial institutions that are owned by Biden administration officials. So you might be saying, John Arthur, what are you talking about? Who's BlackRock? Uh, do you know who Vanguard is, et cetera? Let's go ahead and talk about that for just a moment. When you have a lot of money, if you have a lot of money, you probably are very well aware of this. You want to entrust that money to a financial institution. BlackRock and Vanguard are two of the largest in the world. BlackRock, at one point, being $9 trillion, was the largest. I believe it still is. Uh, Vanguard is nipping at their heels for number one. And, oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Vanguard is nipping at the heels for number one. And what you're looking at here is a, and and these are the people, this is the 1% of the 1% of the 1%, if you go with the Bernie Sanders. These are the people that the Democrats complain about, but guess what? They're also wanting to bail them out. So go ahead and flip up who owns all of the banks, uh, BlackRock ownership of banks. Go ahead, yeah, that, that slide, go ahead and throw that up here. This is from, you know, side quotes in the description below, but BlackRock owns a 5.2% stake in SoftBank, one of the largest holders of student loan debt. Uh, they hold approximately, um, my goodness, you can see the numbers up there, but Vanguard and BlackRock are both number two, or sorry, number one and number three on uh, uh, Discovery Financial Services. Yep. S- uh, very similar numbers with Sally May, okay? Uh, go ahead and uh, put that down. Thank you. Those right there are some of the largest holders of your student debt. And they are direct, they are owned. The stock, who owns the stock is 
you know, if you don't understand this, who owns the stock controls the course of the company. They have a huge amount of bearing on the, um, the board members and the CEO. So you're looking at those people. And then I want you to go ahead and throw up the Biden, Biden admin slide. Who is BlackRock and where are they? Well, you look at the underlines there. Sorry, that was done this morning. Those are all members of BlackRock who are in the Biden administration, not limited to also Larry Fink, not even on that slide. Didn't have time to prepare them all this morning. Larry Fink, CEO, is part of the Treasury Department, part of the, one of the individuals who's actually organizing the student loan forgiveness is the CEO of one of the companies that stands to benefit the most. Reactions around the room. I don't, go ahead, Steve, go ahead. Wokeism, I mean, we're talking, you know, where has all of this started to develop through is, you know, BlackRock. Redistribution of wealth and, and, and social and social changes. Correct. And, you know, if, if people will look at the investments that BlackRock has in some of these companies that Disney, uh, like Netflix, Netflix, and all of these companies that they're complaining about, they'll see that BlackRock is one of the major investors in all of this. And BlackRock is so, if you want to, you know, like the new term woke is, and they have a lot of decision on a lot of this type of stuff and what's causing a lot of these things. The, the thing with BlackRock. I mean, it's absurd. And I want to pull this back more towards an apologetics thought process. Where BlackRock is going is they want to take the Judeo-Christian West and they want to turn it into something made of their own image, a one-world government with centralized power with a corporatist structure where they are at the top. That is what they are doing. This is, you know, again, not to get too conspiratorial on you, but this really is new world order type stuff. These are the people, and we're watching a speed bump with this, where they are intentionally money laundering out assets. They're creating money. When you print money, it devalues the money in your bank account. That 8.5% inflation number, Biden's number, not the real number, it could very easily be 30 to 50% inflation since he came, out, came in office. Those are some of the more wild uh, uh, estimates, and I don't know. But it's somewhere between 8.5% and 50% inflation because they changed the way they calculate it, okay? So it, let, let's deal with 10%. We'll split the diff towards Biden's favor, say 10%. If you had $10,000 in your bank account saved, and you've been a good steward, and you've been saving, that 10000 is now worth 9000 in 12 months of Biden's administration, and we're much further in than that. Think about that for a moment. That means that they stole $1,000, and when they print the money, they're stealing that not only from your now, but from your future. And so I, I want to make that argument that you who are receiving this, you are actually a victim of this. This is not something good. This should be the biggest slap in your face. Josh, I see you leaning in there. I see you thinking. What you thinking over there? Eight and a half percent is not a good number, by the way. In fact, if you want to actually go look back at it, eight and a half percent, the last time inflation was like that was 08. And before that, it was 1980. Yes. All huge crashes. But you have to go back pretty dang far for you to see a number like that. And in fact, it's more like 80 than it is 08. I mean, it's really bad. 
and and some people have argued that we are actually in a worse recession than the Great Depression, but because of the manipulation, it's been very easy to not feel it. Well, what is it the Biden administration calls it? They're not calling it a recession. They're calling it a, what is it now, this new term? A fun session. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I heard her, the, uh, the uh, whatever her name is. Yellen? Yeah, uh, no, the speaker that they have that gets out and... Oh, the White House correspondent. correspondent. Yeah, 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 she's calling it something else than a recession. They yeah. don't call it a recession Nonsense. now, and I don't know. Mr. Some Charlie. Term. I, I think Redefining it. As, as Christians, I think it's important that we try to understand how to look at this from a biblical standpoint. What should we do? Should we be giving money to college kids... Uh, I, I don't deny that we do need to educate our young people. Um, I will say this, and this will be something that will not go over real big. I am not a huge fan of college. And um, the reason being is because it's more for uh, ideological um, transformation transformation than, than education. Uh, unless I'm you're going to be a education. doctor, say again. Unless you're going to be a doctor or a neurosurgeon, right. yeah. But 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 for for teaching, right? I, I'm sorry if you don't stick to the curriculum, you have no business teaching. I would totally agree with that. And so that is not the case nowadays. College, college was something that was important, you know, years ago. But it is it has changed radically. So there's number one, um, and I would I would strongly advocate, and I want to say this for all the young people out there. I want to say this for moms and dads. You need to be extremely careful of where you send your young people for school. Um, if if you are one that thinks that Harvard and Yale is the ultimate place to get educated, you are sadly mistaken. That is probably one of the worst places you could send your young person. If you think um, you, the University of Southern California is the ultimate place, you might want to rethink that. There's a lot of ideological stuff being taught. We're talking young people who had a good, strong Christian upbringing that walk into a college in year one, and they walk back out, and they want nothing to do with God. Nothing. What are we doing that's not right. We need to take the college education thing a whole lot more serious. Let me say one more thing here, too. With regards to how do we mitigate this in terms of the financial impact, I don't think our federal government should be in the business of loaning money to college students. If there is a tremendous need for something like that, our churches can, can learn how to step up. Amen. And they should have already. And they should have mm -hmm. already. Um, I would advocate for you, and by the way, this is going to be one of the things that you will see um, with regards to the bailout. He gave ten dollars to $20,000, if you will. You mark my words, the college tuition will go up. just went up. Ten to $20,000. And I would say this, that if we took away the student loan program altogether, college tuition would come down. Let's play a little game, Josh. Let's play a little game, you and I. You're going to be the student, and I'm going to be the college. Okay? Josh, as a student, how much do you think you can afford in a ballpark uh, per year 
to come to my institution. 10,000? Does that make sense? 10,000 sounds about right. Okay. Uh, Steve over here, part of the government, comes in and says, uh, you know, actually, I'm willing to give up to $30,000 in, in student loans. I'm sorry, Josh. Did I, did I say 10,000 was okay? I meant 40,000. Oh, oh, wait. They're going to forgive part of it? I think I'll do 45 because you'll be able to get, get a bailout later. Think about who would be dumb enough to leave money on the table? It, it, principled, maybe, but who would be dumb enough to leave money on the table in that situation? You're, you're thinking, you're, you're taking a deep, deep breath there. Yeah, I did. I had, a, I had a thought about earlier with the, don't let the political party of the Democrats convince you that they don't care about money. Oh, they care. They care about money. Uh, they have you believing that they care about your money. They oh, care about their money, and, and that might be true. They they actually might care about your money, and they might actually care about that. But don't get it twisted. They care about protecting their investment too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, some of their investments are right. literally in these companies that are getting this money. And should these right. leaders be making policy? Absolutely not. With nope. that conflict of interest. Amen. Once you have created that conflict of interest, and that's something, by the way, if someone has the guts to put a bill like that together, I will personally come out, and I, if, if you are in my state and you have the guts to put together a bill that says anyone who has a con- financial conflict of interest has to recuse themselves from policy with that company or with that in- industry, I will come out personally and campaign for you. All the politicians on every side just stepped out of the room. They just yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no, no. I, 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 again, I, I know some really good politicians. Uh, you know, it's just it was just uh, over with, with some folks uh, not too long ago. It was with Valerie Swanson and 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 uh, Tom Oliverson, local Texas state reps, really good people, salt of the earth people. I think they would agree with that. I think yes. they would agree with that. But there are others in our in our local state and of course in our federal who couldn't possibly say that without slitting their own throats uh, financially. And so that's, that's something, that, that's a place that we've come to in American politics where that needs to become a plank. By the way, how do you become part of a plank? After the election, go to your precinct meeting. You literally get a chance to write the party plank. And you literally mm. get a chance to go to your state's capital after you have done this, especially if you're in Texas. You go to Austin. And you actually participate in putting together the party platform. Can I make a suggestion here? I want to recommend to all you teachers, high school teachers, I think one of the greatest and coolest um, class trips that you could do would be to that kind of meeting right there. Oh, yes. Right after the election, you tell them you're just going to sit and you're going to absorb, and you will see how important they will see their government at work right now. And that would be one of the best educational experiences I think we could offer our young people. When people talk about the government giving you money, it's just it's the most asinine thing because it, to me, I'm thinking about there's some really good people in government. I just listed a couple of my favorite local state reps. But I also know so many troglodytes who sit in these seats. Yeah. Some of these people 
these are people. These are people who we send, who we send at those meetings and we talk to and we say, hey, this is the policy we want. Then they go and they, and they pretend that we can't see them. But then again, are they pretending? I, I don't know. Some of us are kind of blind. So they go and they rob us blind. And we, we're in a special type of government here. People will bring up Romans 13, which lays out, obey your government, because the government is there to be not a terror, but a provision for God's law. Yes. And, I, and they'll say, well, you have to always obey the government. That's not what Romans 13 says. No. But you're in a special type of government if you live here in America. You are in a special nation where you, you are the government. I am the law. No, you are the government. That's the worst Judge Dredd I've ever done. Uh, but, you know, I didn't droop this enough. But it's more of a Trump. Anyway, you, you, you are the lawmaker because you are sending those people. So this needs to be an accountability, and this is where I want to bring it to. I want to make the point that the students aren't getting that much money, and it's actually never really hits their hands. It goes effectively right off the printing press, right into the pockets of Biden admin officials, which should be an outrage. But two, where's the church? Where's the church? The church needs to be out here saying, this is immoral, this is illegal, and frankly, we need to be awake enough to say, hey, Biden, we see what you're doing. Hey, uh, Larry Fink, what a name for the CEO of an investment company that's doing illicit yeah. stuff. Larry Fink, we see you, and what you're doing is wrong. We need to be there. We need to be out there. Josh, you have something you wanted to say. Yeah, it's, no, it's just like what you said. If if you if we want to truly make political change, we got to send a swat. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Uh, sorry. <laughs> no, wait, we, we have to be politically active. That's what it was. Marjorie Taylor Greene was recently swatted. So whether or not you, you, whether or not you like her <laughs> or you think that she's a good Republican, a bad Republican, I'm sorry, having someone call the police and say that there's a woman who has killed her husband and children and uh, is likely to go kill more, or, or there's a hostage, whatever the heck was said, that is evil. Yes, that is attempted is. murder. That is attempted murder. That is not cool. I don't care what party you are. I don't care who you are. That's not cool. It was done to her twice. That's what's, you know. The second time, I don't think, I think there were two officers that showed up the second time. They're like, oh, gosh, this, oh, is, this yeah. is probably well, another what, one. What, yeah. But the first one, she was met with people, you know, weapons drawn. You know, it was a really interesting conversation. We were doing a little church project yesterday, and we were talking amongst ourselves. And I think one of the neatest parts of the conversation was uh, toward the back end of it. And we were talking about affecting change in our government. And a lot of people, you know, when you think about it, do we, if, if we want to affect something, do we, do we start at the top or do we start at the bottom? And, you know, there's so many people that are like, I'm, I'm anti-Biden. There's no way. There's no way. And I'm anti-Trump. There's no way. There's no way. And the thing is, is that if we would understand the best way to affect things is to start at the bottom. And I think that's one of the things that we're really trying to help promote this morning this podcast is look if you want to affect things you need to start doing it locally 
You need, it, I think one of the greatest encouragements that I'm taking away from what's going on in our political climate today is that there's a lot of things that are happening within local school boards, local elections. That's the way that you start to affect things. Because if the root is good, the rest of the tree will be good. And I want to encourage people that you might be frustrated with what's going on in our political world today. Look, take care of what's going on in your town, in your county, and in your state. And when you do that, you will, you'll see things get a lot better. I will say this too, John Arthur. I think if, if we did not have the, um, the, the, the state governments being controlled by more Republican houses, state houses, we would be in far worse situation yeah. right and now. The, the, so the problem is, is that the church needs to be a restraining force which she just has not. And you said starting at the bottom down. And, and so I was warned today, uh, last night, by folks who were proofreading the uh, the article that's going up and provoked a reason. You need to not be too heady about this. You need to sort of bring it down, and you need to actually bring concrete terms because it's, it's hard when you're talking about finances, and it's hard when you're talking about philosophical points. I want to go to the chair of theology here. I want to get Josh to, to weigh in here. Starting at the bottom... What does that look like in the church? Like revival, like awakening? What does that look like at the bottom? At the bottom, it does look like revival. I think that word, it's a buzzword, definitely, in Christian yes. circles, and it can get thrown around a little bit too much. And I don't think it's the wrong idea, but I don't want it to be something where we say the word over and over again and do no, absolutely nothing about it. <clears throat> I think it's important that we do something when we say the word revival and we get involved and we get not just politically, but more importantly, we step up, like Charlie said, as the church to help supply these needs. So break that down more. So let's talk about tithes and offerings real quick. There are things that tithes and offerings are being used for at certain churches, like a lot of churches, this is like the most, most churches, where it's being used for luxury things such as air conditioning and, uh, hello? Okay, cool. Sorry, cut out, cut out there for a second. For luxury things such as air conditioning, uh, the way things look, the perception of things, essentially. And... Ever since we've had that gentleman on who was from Redeemed Ministries, it just hasn't really sit well with me that we spend more money on those things than we do on actual ministries. Correct. And it, and the sickening part is is that we have a ton of money, or there's being a ton of money pooled together that could be used for things such as student lo- helping a student out with their loans, or helping not even with their loans, helping them get through college. Exactly, lowering their expenses. Like, why, why, why don't we take some of these kids in when they're going to a local college and we, and we lower their rent, right? Why don't we do, why don't we as a church have a hospitality-based system that helps take some of the burden off? There's a lot of things that you can do. There's a lot of things that you can do as a church. We need to think outside the box. It, 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 exactly. And it's not just one thing. And I'm not just talking about money, but we're talking about our time, our talents, and our treasures, all three, mm-hmm. and and you're 100 percent right. I think I think air conditioning is necessary, but I think I, I think 
for the people who just whoa 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 no air conditioning i think what you're talking about is <laughs> I, I think in texas programs pretty that, necessary to programs and things that 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 that, that, that are not <laughs> what i would call necessary for the gospel and and, and in these youth groups we give them pizza and yo-yo but we don't give them christ i was just talking with someone the other day who 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 was describing their their youth or young adult outreach and i was like but where's where's christ yeah and and so Christ has to also be in our time, in our talents, in our treasures. He has to be in there, and so that's that, that's the start of revival. You're 100 percent correct. Yeah, and I I agree with you there. And it's like Charlie had talked about is, uh, you know, having a good root for the tree. And in order to have a good root, what do you have to do? You have to water it, and if you give it polluted water what happens the root's going to die and what is that good water that you use the word of christ the bible the word of god that is the good water and what do you end up with a very strong root and then what happens from that you end up with a beautiful tree a great tree with good branches you get in what you, or you get out what you put in, rather. Exactly. No deposit, no return as a church. And that's something that I think people have really have really missed. Josh, you, I know you've got more thoughts. You, you were starting to say something a moment ago. <laughs> no, I, I, I was thinking about even who, who do we help out with these funds? Because this is probably another question. Well, who do, how do we know who to supply these funds with? Going to the point of the widows. You go look at the widows that they helped. Now, surely they wanted to help all the widows, but there were certain widows who were not doing the right things, and those widows, they didn't help those people. They didn't assist with those people. You have to be discerning. You have to be discerning, and so it's not like we're being irresponsible in who we're giving out this money to if we, d if we actually take those steps towards that goal. We would be very, very discerning, and we'd make sure that we do vetting, and guess what? That's holding the, the body accountable. Right. And so there's there's something important there. And, and I guess my point with the AC, I mean, I, I said AC. Guess what? It's Texas. It's, it's 100 degrees outside every single day. I'm and, not ragging on you. And I kind of want the AC. But, if, but there's a couple of things the church doesn't need to survive that it doesn't need AC to survive. But the church cannot not do good works and survive. Amen. Correct. Amen. Correct. That's well stated right there. And and, and there was a there was a Excuse famous me. painting. It was done. Someone was commissioned to paint a dead church. And there are a lot of things that you might you might imagine this painting to look like. But what the individual did is he print, painted this beautiful small church with everyone praising and worshiping God and full of lights, everything's well done. But the baptistry was dark and full of cobwebs. No one being baptized. It says, go and make disciples. By the way, it doesn't say go and make converts. It says, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're supposed to take these people and provide them with the, the family structure that they need, the family of God. And by the way, sometimes that does come in the, in, in, at the cost of treasure, okay? Sometimes you do have to help these people out. None of us the only only the politicians, banks, investment firms, and colleges like to see college kids in debt. The rest of us don't. 
No one here is saying that we like the student debt crisis. No one. We're just saying you're not getting the value here. In fact, all we're doing is we're funneling money into the pockets of literal politicians who are also CEOs of the investment firms that stand the most to gain from these activities. And that's it, John Arthur. It's the investment firms into these loan companies. It's not the loan companies that are making the money, you know, that are ones that are loaning out the money. It's the investment firms, people like BlackRock, Vanguard, All the above, really, but these yeah. people, but I know your those point. are the ones that are really making the money because they've got the heavy investments in these companies. And they're, and they're, and they're making more and more. And this is a case of the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. That's a leftist slogan. But yeah. guess what? They're the ones who they're are doing, the ones it. doing it. They're the ones who are doing it. They're the ones that are doing it. And you want to know. So, and I was going to put a clip in the show, Matt, for us to listen to Warren and uh, Liz Warren, Okahannis, and uh, Janet Yellen. I was going to put that on, but I spared all of you Yellow. the ears and uh, just the time. It was an absolute migraine-inducing four minutes. However, what you have is Liz Warren, in a, not too long ago, in a, in a um, Zoom hearing, was demanding that Yellen start to oversee Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. Right over, by the way, in Biden's administration, the... Only person higher than the CEO of BlackRock, Larry Fink, just so you know, context here. Liz Warren is asking, why isn't BlackRock under FSOC supervision? The Financial uh, Stability Oversight Council, I believe is the name of FSOC. It was formed by Obama after 2008 to regulate too big to fail businesses and banks i.e. bail them out, i.e. print money for them. When they overextend themselves and they need a helping hand, they go to the piggy bank of the Fed. It's not even a piggy bank. It's the printing press devaluing the chocolate bars in the cabinet, devaluing your money. So the people born in early 2000s, you... You probably don't remember much of this. You might remember a little bit of what was some of the buzzwords on TV. But our, our, our country was at a very big crossroads financially in 2008. You had, I believe it was three, uh, Goldman Sachs was the biggest, that were ready to fail. They were ready to, quote unquote, declare bankruptcy. They were... They were going under, and the fight was, were we going to bail them out and make sure that they don't cave, or were we going to go ahead and let them fail? I was an advocate of let them fail. So it was because I'm, who I'm good bought, that. What happens when they fail? Other investors <clears throat> pick up the responsibilities and the notes. Yep. That's what happens. Other people come in, the free market corrects. But instead of the free market correcting, they don't tell you that. They say they're too big to fail. They would cause an economic downturn. Yes, it would. But yeah. guess what happens? It rebounds a lot faster when you allow the private market to come in and buy the assets. Keep going. So they, we had companies like Goldman Sachs, GM, Ford. Um, and there were other financial groups 
that were um, Morgan Chase, yes. J.P. Morgan right. Chase. Also one of the largest holders one of, of the those companies. Holders. Yep. So when you have Still. that kind of situation, guys, you have to make sure that you don't look at this from a titanic point of view. And here's what I mean by that. The Titanic hit an iceberg. There wasn't much of that ice sticking out of the water. The damage was underneath. And for those of you young people that have been born in the early 2000s and you're going, yeah, take off $10,000 of my debt. Ten, take it off, take it off, take it off. I got news for you, and this is exactly what John Arthur is really trying to point out. It didn't get taken off. You're going to pay that. You're just going to pay it in a different form now. It wasn't what you thought. With less opportunity later. Yeah. You, you have to remember as a young person that what looks to be something on the surface could be really ugly underneath. And that's where you as a young person, you have to do your homework too. You have to learn what's going on underneath. And it's your responsibility. It's mom and dad's responsibility to help you understand some of that stuff. But don't sit there and think that you just got your cake and you got to eat it too because you didn't. You, you're going to be fortunate to get $5,000 out of this. Yes. And even if that sounds lovely to you right now, believe me, you're, 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 you're patsy for something bigger, and what's worse is they're stealing your future. Yeah. Right, and you pay capital gains on 10000 And that essentially <laughs> bumps you into a different, into that, a, a different tax bracket. Yes. So it, it, there, there is no good. Josh, you wanted to say something. Another thing I was thinking about with this whole topic Something about the way that money is being approached here just doesn't sit well with me either. Because the idea is that the money is yours. Is that it's pure, it's only yours, you deserve that money. When it's in fact the Lord's money, always, because everything is under the Lord. And so, if you do get that 5000 or $10,000 or whatever, realize that that's not your money. <laughs> that is the Lord's money. Because here's what I'm thinking, too. Like, when you're bailing out these people for $5,000, $10,000, there's people out there that are going to use that for their new fraternity tithe at a college. Yep. And that's the sickening part. I mean, we saw it with the, with the PPE. We saw it with, uh, yeah. we saw it with, uh, with those bailouts. We saw it with the $1,200 stimulus checks. People don't use this money responsibly. There's, and I'm saying that there are peop, certain people who use it responsibly, sure. But, I mean, how many PPE scams were there? Exactly. And, and that's what happens in this culture. They get this money, and then they use it irresponsibly, use it for just personal BS, and it's not for the things that they should be <clears throat> excuse me for the things they should be using it for which is paying off some of their bills or their college debt or things that have got them behind in debt if they weren't responsible before right and and then they go hey look I'm I, I got this money I've got this money I got this money a man I let me I'm, ask you I'm a question this. yes does this sort of bailout, faux forgiveness, build character, or does it reinforce bad character? Bad character. Laziness. Laziness. Well, heck, I've, 
I've got a job right now, and, and, and my grades are kind of down. I think I'm going to quit my job because I've gotten, you know, I've got this I've got this 10 grand, I've got this exactly. stimulus check, I've got this PPE, I've gotten this money, and man, I'm, I'm just going to kind of like and I wanna, quit my job for a while. I want to be careful that we don't paint everyone with that brush. Yeah, not everybody with but that brush. But there are some, but there are right. some that does exist. And so, Josh, wanted to jump in. when you After you're done, though, Mr. Pomeroy took me away took me away on the thing and we never got back to Liz Warren currently with the bailout. And oh, I do, my, I do want to, I do yeah. want to finish that. I want to, I want to tie that off, but go ahead, Josh, real quick. I was just going to say with, with people's responsibilities being in question now though, when you make the decision to go to college, you made the decision to go to college. You actually got to make a decision yes. to go to college. You did not have to go to college. You did not need to take that, that loan. You didn't have to take the loan. This is this is. I hear so many people complain about their occupations. You don't I, have to work. I there. said, "Isn't this a free market? <laughs> Did, didn't you pick that to, to work there? It doesn't make sense." Or I'll hear people hear people say, "I didn't like my degree." It's like, well, you shouldn't have probably got that degree. Yeah, whose fault <laughs> is that? And, and, and so there's yeah. a, there's a level of personal responsibility that's lacking, and and that really ties in well because. We started down that train going back to 08, and, and we, we kind of took off there, and I want to wind it back. So you saw these companies that were too big to fail, Goldman Sachs, uh, J.P. Morgan, all these other groups. By the way, J.P. Morgan, still alive and well. Still, by the way, number two in one or two of those uh, lists that you saw yep. earlier. Go back and, and look at it. Links in the description below. Ford uh, and GM All the receipts also. are there. They were too big to fail. They were paid out instead of us being able to buy up their assets. Have you ever been at a at an auction sale to buy up the assets of a foreclosed or or failed company? It is like winning the lottery, except you weren't irresponsible. You're able to pick up all sorts of assets and it's awesome. It's great. They robbed us of that by printing money, funneling it through us and giving it to those institutions. That's what they're doing with the student loan today. And it is no coincidence that Liz Warren wants to regulate. When Facebook and Twitter want to be regulated, that's because it's in their best interest. Yep. Because they are backed. When BlackRock is regulated, eventually that will work out into their best interest. You do not want the government to have the levers of power of private institutions that are the size of mid-sized country economies. You don't want to give that over to Uncle Sam because we see how he poorly maintains and manages it. And right now what he's doing is he's personally using it to print money, devalue your money, and give that value to individuals within the government. That is what is occurring with student loan forgiveness. It is no coincidence that these people actually work in the Biden administration. This is something that you're watching. You're watching criminal thugs, Biden and his, and his friends over at BlackRock. This is corporatism. This is not capitalism by any stretch. This is socialism by a different stripe, where the corporations are able to vote themselves and fund themselves money at your expense. So to those of you who have a child or a friend or a family member who is going to be a beneficiary of this and they're excited that they are getting money, 
Never mind the fact that mom and dad are going to be taxed $3,000 each if they make 100000 and you are trying to make 100000 and you're going to be taxed 3000 What does that do to, to the money before your capital gains tax? That nullifies the whole $10,000. Do you guys realize that? You're not keeping the money. You're not keeping the money. It's all smoke and mirrors. It's so low that if your parents are making, you know, even 60000 you are not going to keep the money. The government's going to tax that right back out of your pocket, and they devalue the change that you had in your wallet. So you, student, who is getting that, or you who have, has a friend who's a student who's getting their loan forgiven, 10000 just understand the argument. Understand the facts. It's not forgiveness. It is a tax. And it's going directly to the people who created the problem that we're all interested in fixing. We should be encouraging colleges to lower their rates. We should tell the government to get out of subsidizing college. Because by nature, that little conversation, that little thought experiment we had a moment ago, by nature, that increases college costs. By nature, college should be very cheap. It should be very cheap. It's not. And then, of course, as Christians, we need to start being responsible ourselves. We need to be an example. And that includes making hard choices and being someone who pays off their debt. Like Josh over here. Josh worked hard. Josh worked hard. He made it through. He's a shining example of that. You need, we as a church, need to be that kind of people. I dropped out of college when I lost everything. I lost my business and my home. I dropped out because <laughs> I'm not going to go into debt for a business administration degree. Now I'm just going to start working. You know, make responsible choices as a Christian. Yeah. That way you are without fault when people ask you, why do you say that? Because if you have a ton of student loan debt, it's hard. And if you're already there, it's fine. But it's hard to have the moral high ground here. So church, we need to start doing that. Josh, I want you to just any closing thoughts as we wrap up here. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about money. It has the, a lot to say about unbalanced scales. We see, and they were the most despised people in the entire world at that time. And it was those tax collectors. And they would purposefully make the wages or make the balances favored towards them. The more things change, the more they stay the same. What are the people in office doing today? Are they not making the balance, the, the wages balanced towards them? Only thing I can say is read up, study up, do some digging. Because right now, at this point in time, if you're not doing that, you're going to be taken for everything you got. I'm, I want to build on that uh, to, to close this out. That... If, if young people, if you want to understand the ramifications of this, you should look at the history of every single downturn, that financial downturn that America's had uh, since the early 1900s. And you're going to see a common theme develop. The last one we had was 2008. And it, it was, to me, it was devastating when they said we were going to bail everybody out. I thought it was one of the worst things that we could have done. And if you think about the debt that America had at that time, I'm thinking it was in the neighborhood of $9 trillion, and we are up to 36 
easily. Uh, it, 13... It's two to three hundred in in unsecured, what you know, uh, liabilities right now. So if you think about this, young people, we have we have we've gone from nine trillion to thirty six trillion. That's a four hundred percent increase in thirteen years. That ought to tell you a lot. I think that, uh, you know, I was curious when you had mentioned Twitter and Facebook, I was just interested in whether or not BlackRock and Vanguard was a investment firm in those two also. And I was like, hmm, I'm going to have to research that and see if they might, are because I haven't be. done that uh, and just check that out. But <clears throat> and the the culture of today's colleges – I would say to the young people nowadays is if you're concerned about getting a job with your degree, change your degree, get something that's going to benefit yourself and your job and get something that's going to get you a, a job and make money and pay your debt off. Don't get one that's worthless so that you can help pay off these heavy investment firms and funnel money to them and just launder money for the government and put it in the pockets of these politicians because that is all that you're doing, and then you're the one that's doing it for them. You're their patsy. That's exactly right. And that's where I want to go for the chair of politics and economics. I just want to kind of wrap us up here. By the way, uh, BlackRock and Vanguard, both two of the largest holders of shares in Facebook. I didn't have time to look at Twitter. Uh, just so you know, they got the there figures go. everywhere. They And a whole podcast could be done on BlackRock's social score that they give companies. And they're willing to short a company if the company doesn't match their social score. Want to know why Netflix can get away with uh, the Pregnant Man movie and all those other garbage that's just absolutely asinine? It's because they're being funded. Why is CNN still around with only like 10,000 viewers to their platform? Why are these companies around? Because they are being propped up, okay? And from the political perspective, what you're watching right now is you're watching the government betray. You're watching the government betray the most fundamental trust that we should have in our institutions. You wanna know why we don't have trust in our institutions? This is why. We're watching the politician balance the scales in their favor and take your money. And it's not even through a tax, not in the traditional sense. It is purely theft. It is purely theft. And from the economic perspective, I'm gonna say something, church, we need to be part of the aid in this. We cannot enable people but there are folks that we should be helping, and we should also be there as a support structure and someone to encourage. We should be there encouraging individuals when they're going through economic hardship. But we also need to be living a cogent lifestyle that is, it comports with the Bible. We need to live a lifestyle that people can see that we live what we believe because we are transformed by the Spirit. That's who we should be. If you like this podcast, like, comment, share, subscribe, all this good stuff, we are still on uh, the podcast. For those of you who are uh, on YouTube now, 
And for those of you who are not on YouTube yet, we have a studio, and we are talking in a studio that we're working on the lights. It's not there yet, but we're getting there. I think it's slowly looking better and better. Still kind of under construction, but we're, we're, we're coming along. And uh, hey, thank you so much for uh, all the views and the listens. Go ahead and uh, share this podcast if you found it informative and interesting. We definitely appreciate it. For those of you who didn't like it, well, you know what to do with that dislike button. Do it twice. Uh, with that said, thank you. Love you all so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. See you guys. Bye. All right. All right. One thing. If you had $10,000 and not a negative 12 or whatever the heck it's going to actually be by the time we get done taxing it and all the nonsense, if you had $10,000, what would you spend it on? Oh. Josh. <laughs> Dang, dude. Put me right on the spot. I know. I know. About to look greedy. About to look greedy. <laughs> no, I'm sure. What would you do? So. My first reaction is to give it to the church, but if if I've already ruled this option out, like that's like an obvious option. But uh, if I had ten thousand dollars, what would I do with it? Yeah, what would you do with ten thousand? If, if it, no strings attached, unlike this crap. Okay. Uh, come back to me. Come back to me. Come back, to me. Mr. Charlie. <laughs> Buy land. Buy land. Okay. Yep. Land investment or either. Um... Second Amendment stuff. Second Amendment stuff. I I, I can appreciate that. Uh, Josh, now that you say ten thousand, see, I'm I'm thinking stock market, but stock market kind of booty right now, so yeah. I'm not going to invest in the stock market right now. So 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 I'll do land. Land land seems like a good investment. Land is smart. Land is smart. So I We're would do one of two things. I always try to tithe right off the top. Then after that, I would consider potentially getting into a. Uh, there's a couple of really good investment groups where you can leverage into a piece of property and then you leverage that property out on the second mortgage and then you build more and more properties. It would be a nice little seed money bit. It'd be a nice little seed money bit. I think that would be a really good way to go. Uh, tithe and then investment. With that said, tell us in the comment section down below what you would do with $10,000 if it was real. And that would be not like vapor. real. Tell us what you would do and not this weird uh, faux giveness. Love y'all. Bye. Bye. Bye.